0: You're listening to the Marathon Church Podcast. We exist to build communities that love Jesus, love people, and live on purpose. To learn more about Marathon Church, visit MarathonChurch.org. We hope that this encourages you and builds your faith. Enjoy this week's message. Hey, it's so good to be with you guys here at 11 o'clock, everybody watching online. If you're at home watching online, I would encourage you to engage with your online host today. And uh, I want to try to keep you engaged as I talk today. And uh, I've really been enjoying this series called Stay Positive. And this series has really been good for me. And and, and I've had my head engaged. I've had my heart engaged. I've had my toes stepped on because I'm not always, you know, 100% positive. Uh, I've been called out by the Holy Spirit during this series. It's been good for me. And and today, I want to talk about passion. I want to talk to you about your spiritual passion. Because if you want to stay positive, you have to stay passionate about Jesus. If you want to be positive, you have to be passionate about Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, and and it may be right now, if you're a follower of Jesus, there was a point in your life where you found yourself really, really close to God. You, You could feel his presence You knew he was working in your life. When you read the Bible, the words just jumped off the page like God was speaking directly to you. You were very positive because God was working in your life. But maybe somewhere along the line, you lost a little bit of your passion. You lost some of your spiritual passion. You lost some of your intimacy with God. You lost some of your passion for God. Maybe you lost some of your passion for the church. I mean, there was a time when you were here, like, all of the time. There was a time when you were super connected to others. Perhaps there was a time when you had great energy to use your talents, your gifts, your unique personality to move the kingdom of God. Maybe you lost a little bit of your passion to serve others, to serve God by serving others. You, you lost some enthusiasm. I want to tell you that I understand the struggle. I have been there, and, and here's my deal. I'm a pretty passionate dude. I may not always look like it on the outside, but I'm a pretty passionate dude, and I, I can get fired up. Uh, I'm passionate about a good hamburger. Seriously, I'm passionate about some good Mexican food. The key word there is good. It has to be good Mexican food. I'm passionate about golf. You hear Eddie talk about golf all the time. Eddie is passionate about golf. I am passionate about golf. And Brian and Eddie beat my son Paul and me a couple weeks ago. I'm still upset. There will be a rematch. Let's go. Uh, I'm passionate about football. Anybody else love football? I love football. So next Sunday is the best and the worst day all wrapped into one. It's the best day because it's Super Bowl Sunday. It's the worst day because football's over for seven months. How will I ever survive? I started playing tackle football when I was 11 years old, and I remember going to my first ever tackle football practice, and I I didn't really know what to expect, and I was nervous. I had butterflies, and uh, we started practice by stretching. We got into our stretching lines, and pretty soon I begin to hear this gravelly voice, and, and I look up to see who it is, and it's... The the line coach, Coach O'Neill, and uh, he was walking in and out of the rows of us boys, and, and he's talking just, you know, loud enough for us to hear, but not too loud, and he's saying enthusiasm, intensity, perseverance, tenacity, and the whole time we stretch, he just walks. Enthusiasm, passion, intensity, tenacity, perseverance, I didn't even know what tenacity meant. So I went home and Googled it. That's a lie. It was 47 years ago. I went home and I got my mom's Scrabble dictionary and I looked up tenacity and I found out right away that my physical well-being on the football field was directly related to my intensity, perseverance, enthusiasm, and tenacity. And here's the crazy thing. 47 years later, as a grown man, I still feel the same way about football. I can't even watch it on TV without intensity. I'm still passionate about football. And if you get in a conversation with me about football, you'll see it bubble to the the surface. I'm passionate about, you know, burgers and Mexican food and football. And I'm passionate about my wife, Amy. Everything that I do in life is with her in mind because I love her and I value her. I have passion for her. And this is what I know without any doubt. What we value will determine what we do. What we really value will determine what we do. What you value will will determine what you do. What you are passionate about will ultimately determine what you do. Now, let me share just a little bit more of my story. So... I'm a preacher's kid, and as you get to know me, that'll you you know you'll begin to understand more about my my sarcasm and my cynicism. But I was a preacher's kid, so that means that I was at church every time the doors were open. And and I'm telling you, the last thing that I wanted to do when I was a kid was be a preacher. I did not want to be a pastor. And please don't misunderstand. I love the church. I had a great childhood. I just didn't want to be a pastor. We moved to San Diego when I was 16, and one of the first people I met was Amy, and uh, we started dating a few months later. And then Amy and I met Jesus uh, and were baptized at a revival meeting at our church uh, when we were 17 years old, got saved and baptized the same day. Four years later, I was pursuing a sports journalism career, and uh, we were planning a wedding, and the Holy Spirit tapped on my heart and tapped me on the shoulder and let me know that he had different plans for me. So Amy and I spent 27 years in vocational ministry in Southern California, and we loved it until we didn't. I'm passionate about food and football and Amy, but let me tell you something else that fires me up. I am passionate about seeing people meet Jesus. I am passionate about seeing people take their next step with Jesus. I get fired up when people get baptized or get connected to a group or begin using their gifts, their personality, their passion to serve others. By the way, if you don't know what your next step is, if you have questions, if if you'd like to walk through that, I I invite you to to sign up for Life Track. It's going to start on March the 7th. I would love to walk with you through this process of discovering how God's created you and the, the plan that he has for your life. I I was so passionate about seeing people in Los Angeles meet Jesus. I was so passionate about seeing people in Los Angeles take the next step in their faith journey. And then the passion went out. So six and a half years ago, we retired from our church in Los Angeles and we moved to Easley and we experienced culture shock like you can't even imagine. And here's what I knew. I was hurting and beat up from ministry. And here's what I plan to do. I plan to go to church on Sunday, sit in the chair, and let everybody else do the ministry. I'll go to church and I'll give my tithes and offerings because I know deep in my heart that's the right thing to do, but I'm not going to serve. I'll go to church and then I'll go home and watch football. I'll go to church and then I'll go play golf. Now, don't get me wrong, I wanted to see people meet Jesus and take their next step, but my enthusiasm was gone, and I wasn't going to do anything to help anybody in their faith journey. Well, that was my plan, and then God began to tap on my heart and tap me on the shoulder, and and I started to get my passion back, and I got my enthusiasm back, and then God led us to marathon, and, and God tapped on my heart, and then Brian tapped me on the shoulder, I don't think that was the Holy Spirit. That was just Brian. And he asked me to start teaching Life Track. And now God has put us back into vocational ministry, and I couldn't be happier. Maybe you've lost some of your passion and your enthusiasm for Jesus. Maybe you've lost some of your passion and enthusiasm for the church. Maybe you've lost some of your passion and enthusiasm to serve others if you've lost some of your passion or enthusiasm for the one who gave his life to pay the penalty for your sins and then rose again to give you an abundant life, if you've lost a little bit of that passion, this message is for you. And I want you to get your passion back and your positivity is related to your passion. Let me pray for us. God, we're so thankful that you've allowed us to gather in this place. We thank you for those that are watching online. And Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would move in this room and in those that are watching online. We pray that God, you would speak to us through your word, by your spirit. And we pray that the name of Jesus would be exalted and we pray it all in his name. Amen. All right. So if you're ready, let's go. Uh, Here in the room, if you're sitting next to a neighbor, turn to your neighbor, say passion. If you're watching online, type chat, type passion in the chat. All right, so this series is stay, is stay positive, but we have to know this. This is a great time to be positive. There's so much bad news and so much negativity in the world, world today. There, there is so much negative, but listen, as followers of Jesus, we have this faith. We have this unbelievable faith of all the people that should be positive and passionate and enthusiastic. It should be faith-filled Jesus followers. So let's talk about passion and enthusiasm. You probably know this is true, but let me just remind you that there's only really two types of people in the world. There are those who allow their circumstances to influence their enthusiasm, all right? Those that allow their, their circumstances to influence their enthusiasm, and those whose enthusiasm influences their circumstance, Those are the only two kinds of people in the world. Now, before we get carried away thinking that this is just about being positive or trying to stay positive, let's think about this. Enthusiasm comes from two words. The beginning of the word in means in, and theos means God. In theos, enthusiasm. Enthusiasm means to be in God. Now, it doesn't always mean that in our vernacular. It doesn't always mean that in our culture. But the real meaning of the word, the root of the word of enthusiasm is in God, literally in God. So true enthusiasm, it's not something that you work up. It's not someplace that you arrive by reciting daily affirmations. Enthusiasm is a posture of the heart. And it is born out of the presence of God. Enthusiasm is dependent upon the power and the presence of God. So check this out. First Corinthians chapter 15. It's where it's recorded for us in the text. I want us to look at this verse together. The Apostle Paul's writing to this church at Corinth and he says, But thank God. All right. Turn to the person next to you and say, Thank God. Type thank God in the chat if you're watching online. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can anybody get fired up at all about that? I mean, seriously, go ahead and clap if you want. Thank God he has given us victory over sin and death through the Lord Jesus Christ. That gets me fired up. Does that that serve some passion, some enthusiasm in you? Listen, that is positive. If you don't get anything else today, take that with you. That's positive. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is called the resurrection chapter. The Apostle Paul has been writing about the resurrection of Jesus. And he says he gives us victory over sin and death because he rose from the dead. And by the way, do you realize that our faith is built on an event? Our faith is built on an event. Our entire faith, the Christian faith, is built upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The tomb is empty. And everything that we do, everything that we believe, is dependent upon the resurrection. All right, That's the foundation of all of our faith. He says, Jesus has given us victory over sin and death. So, because that's true, in light of that truth, dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. No matter what you do, work enthusiastically for the Lord. If you're parking cars, if you're greeting at the front door, if you're checking kids in at Marathon Kids, whatever you do for the Lord, do it enthusiastically for the Lord, knowing that everything that you do has value. He has given us victory over sin and death. Let that fuel your passion. And this is what is so cool. It's not what you do that makes it meaningful. It's not what you do that makes it meaningful. It's who you do it for that makes it meaningful. So our house gets vacuumed virtually every day. It's important to Amy that our house gets vacuumed most every day. And most days I do the vacuuming. Am I passionate about vacuuming? Not really. But I'm extremely passionate about the one who wants the house vacuumed. So I vacuum enthusiastically, knowing that nothing that I do for Amy is ever in vain. Gentlemen, can I just throw this in? Nothing that you do for your wife is ever in vain. It's not what you do. It's who you do it for. And I have to say this. I see some of you serving in your ministry around here and you are bringing the enthusiasm. You're bringing the enthusiasm. You're not waiting for circumstances to improve, to serve passionately. You're not waiting for COVID to go away. You're bringing your passion, your enthusiasm to the circumstance. Many of you come in here giving thanks to God who delivered you from sin and death and whatever you're doing, you are doing it passionately for the Lord. Because you are in Theos. You are in God. You are enthusiastic because Jesus Christ has changed your life. Keep doing what you're doing. Let me tell you about one of my favorite people in the Bible. And by the way, this is a real guy that really lived on this planet about 3,000 years ago. He's a real guy. He's not a myth. His name is David. And David was a shepherd, a warrior, and a king. And when David was a kid, he had tremendous passion for God. And when he became a king, he lost some of his enthusiasm for God. Now check this out. David has been anointed king. Like the prophet of God came to his house, poured the oil on his head, and he's anointed to be king, not by people, but by God himself. But he's still not the king because Saul's still the king. So he is the king, and the throne is rightfully his because God said so, but he's still tending sheep. And listen, he is tending to sheep, and he is shepherding the sheep with tremendous enthusiasm. Now, the nation of Israel has a perennial enemy called the Philistines, and when David was a kid, the Philistines had a great warrior named Goliath, and he is a literal giant, He was literally over nine feet tall. And every day, don't miss those words, every day, every day, he would walk out to the battlefield and he would call out Israel and their God. And every day, don't miss those words, every day, every day, the Israelites would stay in their camp and just receive the insults. And then one day, David came to the camp to bring his older brothers some home cooking and I'm just thinking like chicken fried steak, mashed potatoes, homemade biscuit. And David's in the camp and he heard the threats and the taunts from Goliath and it brought his passion for God to the surface. And this kid, this shepherd boy, he saw this situation, this circumstance with enthusiasm, with tremendous passion. The the story is recorded for us in the text in 1 Samuel 17. He says, David replied to the Philistine. He's talking to the giant now, Goliath. You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And today, not like every other day, not like every day when you've walked out here, but today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, That's some passion and enthusiasm. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. And let me tell you something. This enthusiasm did not come from self-confidence. And please don't get me wrong because David grows up to be a bad man, y'all. He is a bad man. But this this is not about self-confidence. This enthusiasm does not come from self-confidence. David was in theos. He was in theos. I mean, where do you get the passion and enthusiasm to talk junk to a giant and then deliver on that promise? He did... He, he had this un, unbelievable, unlimited enthusiasm for God because he trusted God daily and he walked with God daily and he worshiped God daily. And the key word there is daily. Every day the giant came out there and every day the Israelites stayed in their camp until not today. God said, not today, Goliath. And he was able to say, not today, Goliath, because every day he trusted God and he walked with God and he worshiped God. And he could take down a giant because on previous days, as he trusted God and walked with God and worshiped God, he had taken down a bear. And then another day, as he trusted God and he walked with God and he worshiped God, he had killed a lion. He trusted God the day before, and then he trusted God with Goliath, and he would trust God the next day. And his trust is seen so beautifully in this song that he wrote the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along my paths, bringing honor to his name. And even when I walk through the darkest valley, the valley where Goliath stood, the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid. For you, God, are close beside me, and your rod and your staff protect and comfort me, and you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies, and you honor me by anointing my head with oil, and my cup overflows with blessings. And surely, God, your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. He trusted God daily. He walked with God daily. He worshiped God daily. He was in theos. Now listen, this wasn't a click on a screen once a week to watch a service online. This wasn't even a drive across town on Sunday morning to sit in a church service and sing some songs and listen to a sermon. It wasn't a weekly thing. It was a daily abiding in the presence of God that filled him with passion and enthusiasm. I mentioned there's two stages to David's life. That was the kid stage of David's life. He was... In Theos, He was filled with enthusiasm. But things would change in the king stage of David's life. It's recorded in 2 Samuel 11. It says, in the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, now he's not just the shepherd and giant killer. Now he's actually the king. And in the spring, when David should have been out on the battlefield with his men, he stayed home. And he wasn't where he was supposed to be. And he took a walk on his rooftop and he saw something that he wasn't supposed to see. A woman bathing. And when he wasn't where he was supposed to be, not doing what he was supposed to do, he did something he should have never done. And he took this young lady Bathsheba into his home and he took her as his wife. And his entire life and family and kingdom began to unravel. And we can only surmise that he had lost some of his enthusiasm, some of his passion for God. And, and let's see the contrast. As a kid filled with enthusiasm, he ran into battle to serve his God. And as a king filled with apathy, he walked on his roof, rooftop to serve his comfort. How, how does a kid with so much enthusiasm Lose that enthusiasm as a king. It's because David took his eyes off his calling and put them on his comfort. And his enthusiasm turned to complacency. And and I have to ask myself, which one of these best represents me? And I think you should be honest with yourself and you should ask yourself, which, which one of these best represents you? Are you charging into spiritual battle knowing that God has given you the victory over sin and death through Jesus Christ? Are you waking up every day filled with passion knowing that Jesus will never leave you or forsake you and that he's called you to make a difference in this world for his kingdom? Or or maybe have you drifted into spiritual complacency? You know, one of the things that I've observed during this crazy season is that people have taken what seems like to be one, one or, or two extremes. They've taken to one of or, or, or two extremes. There is one very positive where, where people are trusting God daily and walking with God daily and worshiping God daily and they're growing in their intimacy with God and they're growing in, in their passion with, with God. Uh, they're growing in, in dependency upon God. They're embracing his calling and they're serving him by serving others. They are in theos. They're bringing enthusiasm to every situation. Unfortunately, I see others who've lost their enthusiasm and they're drifting toward complacency and they're drifting toward apathy and they're drifting toward self-centeredness and they're drifting toward poor decisions. They maybe have drifted from being physically present in a worship gathering with their church family. Maybe they started watching online, but now they've drifted away from that online gathering as well. And what started as drifting has now become a habit. A habit. And where they were once filled with enthusiasm and passion for God, now they're filled with fear. And and they've allowed their passion to be replaced by their comfort. And they've lost their joy, and they've lost sight of their calling, and they've lost the vision and purpose for their life. Which one represents you? Are you entheos? Are you enthusiastic and passionate about Jesus and his calling on your life? Or are you walking toward comfort and complacency? So here's one of the cool things about David. The passionate kid and complacent king had some people in his life that loved him and cared about him. He was living and walking in community with other people of faith. And let me just tell you something that you already know, but maybe, not, maybe it's something that's not a part of your life. It is impossible to stay passionate about Jesus and positive in this world if you're not walking with others, other people of faith. And I'm telling you, we have life groups. They've only been going for a couple weeks and you're welcome to join one. I can help you join one if you'll come see me at the Next Steps area. You need to have some people in your life that love you enough to encourage you and love you enough to call you on your crap. David had a guy. His name was Nathan. Nathan. He just happened to be the prophet of God. And he confronted David and he called him out. And David realized how far he had fallen. He realized that his enthusiasm and passion for God had waned. And he just needed somebody to walk with him through it. And he came clean with God about his sin. And he wrote this, Psalm 51. Created me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. That's what you do when you lose your enthusiasm. You just turn to God and say, God, you see me, you know me, this is what I am. I'm coming back to you, Lord. That's what you do when you lose your passion for Jesus. You cry out for renewal and restoration. You begin to rejoice because sin and death have been overcome by Jesus Christ. And you go back to doing what you did before. You trust God daily. And you walk with God daily. And you worship God daily. This is what Jesus told the church in the city of Ephesus. And just a little background. The Apostle Paul started this church in Ephesus. And uh, people that we, we read about in the gospels and in the book of Acts played prominent roles in the church. Uh, Paul's protege, Timothy, uh, was the pastor of the church for a while. The apostle John was an elder in the church. And, and they, had a, they had an outstanding leadership and a strong church. And, and this church made a major impact on early Christianity in the world. And Ephesus was a large town for that time, 250,000 people. And uh, they, they just made a huge impact in, in the city. It was a great church with great impact. And this is what Jesus says to them. It's recorded and preserved for us in the book of Revelation. And Jesus said this to them 2,000 years ago. Jesus begins by commending them. He says, I see your hard work. I see your service in ministry. I see that you don't allow sin to be pervasive in your church. And I see that you're strong in your doctrine and in your faith. God says, I see you. you do so much good. And then Jesus says, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. And if you don't repent, if you don't turn back to me, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Jesus says, you do so much good. I see your hard work. I see you serve in ministry. I, I, I see you. You know, have integrity in your church. I see you. But you lost your first love. You left your first love. You walked away. You let it go. Jesus says you surrendered your passion and your enthusiasm. And you're st- it still looks like you're doing all the right things, but you lost your passion and your enthusiasm. And really, this church didn't lose it. They left it. And for just a moment, we might consider if we may have drifted from the intimacy that we once had. Consider if you have fallen or how far you have fallen. Do you love Jesus and others as you did at first? Do you have the same passion and enthusiasm for Jesus? Do you have the same passion and enthusiasm and compassion for others? Consider your love for Jesus. Consider the intimacy you once had. Consider the power that you once lived with. Because you didn't lose it. You left it. If you find that you are not as passionate or enthusiastic as you once were, you repent. You turn around. You turn and go a different direction. And you trust God daily, and you walk with God daily, and you worship God daily. You look to Jesus, who delivered you from sin and death, and you trust him, and you walk with him, and you rejoice in him, and you ask him to restore to you the joy of his salvation. And when you turn back to what you love at first you will be filled with passion and enthusiasm that will allow you to stay positive even in a season like this. Because what you value will determine what you will do. Return to the passion and enthusiasm for Jesus that you had at first. Knowing that there's two types of people in the world. There are those who allow their circumstances to influence their enthusiasm, and there's those who are in theos whose enthusiasm influences their circumstances. There are those that walk with God and are filled with faith, and they influence the people and the circumstances that surround them. They are in theos. And there are others who don't just lose their enthusiasm. They leave it. if, If you're wondering, if I keep my passion all the time, I don't. I have bad days. I have days when my faith is under attack, when my mind is under attack. I can get in a mood now. Don't think for a minute that you're alone in this. when my faith my mind my mood gets under attack I go back I go back to First Corinthians 15 and I remember what Jesus has done for me because listen I'm really jacked up I am really messed up I'm like the apostle Paul I'm like the biggest sinner ever but Jesus Christ has delivered me from sin and death And I have victory over sin and death because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I go back there and I get my passion back. And I get my enthusiasm back. And whatever I do, I can do it enthusiastically knowing that Jesus has victory in my life. Get your passion back. Get your enthusiasm back. Passion creates positivity. Get your passion back. Get your enthusiasm back. Would you stand and pray with me? If you're watching online, I, I invite you to pray with us. If you're in the room, and, and maybe you've lost some of your passion, some of your enthusiasm, and, and, and you wanna get it back, would you just, just give me a wave today? Just say, Greg, would you pray with me? Anybody? If if you're watching online, maybe just type get it back in the chat. You've lost some of it and you want it back. Let's pray, Father, in Jesus' name. I thank you for every person that is gathered in person in this building and for everyone watching online. I pray that you would fill us with your presence today. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in each one of us and that you would build our faith that we would find the joy of our salvation. Perhaps you're in the room or you're watching online and you've never given your life to Jesus. You you don't have the passion and the enthusiasm that only Jesus can give because you've never given your life to Jesus. If you're in the room and you want to accept Jesus today, just give me a wave. I want to pray for you. I want to lead you in a prayer. Anybody like that? Come on. If you're watching online and you you want to accept Jesus, just type Jesus in the chat. If you want to have victory in your life over sin and death through Jesus Christ, pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I don't even live up to my own standards, much less yours. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And I believe that he rose from the dead. And I put my faith and trust in him. God, fill me with passion and enthusiasm for Jesus and for others. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message and made a decision to follow Jesus, be sure to let us know by connecting with us at MarathonChurch.org. If you haven't already, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. To experience more messages, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at MarathonChurch.org or download the Marathon Church app. Thanks for listening to the Marathon Church podcast.